0: Good morning, goddesses and gods alike. This is Shannon, and I'm your host. And you're listening to the Goddess Morning Show podcast, where you can tune in every weekday morning for an approximately 20-minute long episode to start your day with updates on things that matter to a community of awake and conscious individuals who seek the divine feminine in all we do. We sift through all the copious amounts of information on the internet to bring you news and information on the things that matter to you. Tune in to hear about environmental news and book releases, interviews with thought leaders influencing the awakening of humanity, the moon phases, planetary positions, crystal healing, herbal and holistic health, guidance on green living, and that's just naming a few. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you are listening to us on right now. Be blessed. Namaste. Good morning, goddesses and gods alike. Today is March 3rd, 2020. This is the Goddess Morning Show, and I am your host, Shannon. Thank you for tuning in. We're starting out our podcast today with an article from mindbodygreen.com written on February 29th of this year, and it says... This Tuesday, March 3rd, impulsive romantic Venus in Aries gets checked by structured pragmatic Saturn in Capricorn. This is our astrology section for the day. Creatively, we've all been on fire since Venus landed in the Ram's realm on February 7th. But after lighting all those metaphoric matches, we're left with another consideration. How to tend to all these blazes. Without a clear plan, we either burn ourselves out or lose control of the mission. Tuesday's Venus-Saturn square brings a sobering reality check. Venus and Aries says, live for the moment, while Saturn in Capricorn says, make it last forever and leave a legacy. Somewhere in between those two worlds lies a happy medium. Take time out from the wouldn't-it-be-crazy-if blank conversations, to map out the particulars like timelines, budgets, and required supplies. Seeing it all spelled out can actually be a confidence booster as you deploy some of Saturn's quality control filters. Just don't let perfectionism short-circuit the creative process. Teamwork is another way to make sure your dreams come true, especially after Wednesday when Mercury slips back one space on the game board Retreating from esoteric Pisces into all-hands-on-deck Aquarius for the final five days of its backspin. Hold off on any major recruiting for your supergroup until Mercury corrects itself in its course next Monday, March 9th. Instead, reconnect with collaborators from your past. Joining forces for a second or seventh time can bring another smash hit. Also on Wednesday... Venus breaks ground in tender, tactile Taurus, bringing a slow and sensual rhythm to our lives. Venus is right at home in the bullpen, along with Libra. Taurus is one of the two signs the love planet rules. Between now and April 3rd, we'll connect through common values. Attraction is essential, but it's not enough. A shared ethical code and view of what's important will be the bonding agent. Romantically, Venus and Taurus can make all of us... Touch old-fashioned, placing a high premium on comfortable, consistent companionship. And check your spending. During this decadent cycle, our appetites for luxury can be insatiable. If those limited edition sneakers or the signed artwork are in your budget, enjoy. But note that Venus and Taurus wants us to reach for investment pieces, ideally ones that come with a lifetime guarantee. Change may be the only constant this weekend, especially on Sunday when Creatrix Venus shares a flight path with mad scientist Uranus. Embrace it. Paired together, Venus and Uranus can whip up a heavily, heavenly hybrid of art and innovation. If you're stuck in a rut, gather your hive mind and brainstorm your way out of that hole. With Love Planet Venus logged in to Techie Uranus's nor- network, dating apps will be lit near hump day. Couples may feel boldly experimental this weekend. Choose a safe word and go play. And that was brought to us by the Astro Twins. All right, our next article, and this is in our environment slash holistic living section, also from mindbodygreen.com. The author's name is Abby Moore, and it was written March 1st of this year. And it says, this is why allergy season has increased by 24 days since 1951. Most of us are aware of the itchy eyes and runny noses that seem to accompany both spring and fall. But no one understands better than the 50 million Americans who suffer from allergic rhinitis, otherwise known as nasal allergies or hay fever. Unfortunately for them, the time in which they experience these symptoms, a.k.a. allergy season, is getting longer and the environment might be to blame. After realizing a number of patients were suffering from allergic rhinitis, Lauren Broffman, Ph.D., wanted to better understand how pollution might be affecting allergies. She and a team of data scientists dug into 70 years of data from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and discovered allergy season has increased by 24 days since 1951. How Pollution Affects Allergies Understanding the impact of climate change and pollution can feel a bit abstract, Bruffman told Mind Body Green. But these environmental changes can have a very personal impact for anyone suffering from allergies. In fact, the research analyzed the top 10 worst cities for allergy sufferers, sufferers and found a correlation between pollution levels and allergy symptoms. These cities include Baton Rouge, Louisiana; Jackson, Mississippi; Louisville. Kentucky, McAllen, Texas, Memphis, Tennessee, New Orleans, Louisiana, Providence, Rhode Island, Richmond, Virginia, Scranton, Pennsylvania, and Springfield, Massachusetts. According to the report, scientists aren't certain why air pollution and allergies are related, but they suspect that mixing chemicals with from air pollution with airborne allergens like pollen makes those allergens m- more potent. Because of these negative environmental effects, they discovered allergy season is getting longer by an average of 24 days. According to our definition of allergy season, Brofman said, the 2019 average for all 10 of those cities is around 216 days, about seven months. I guess we better stock up on tissues. So how to protect against Allergies. For people living in these cities, or really any city, limiting your exposure to pollen can help decrease symptoms. Don't avoid spending time in nature, but be sure to wash your clothes and hair after spending time outdoors since both can collect pollen and cause flare-ups. Pollen also tends to get trapped in the nose, so rinsing it with saline irrigations or neti pots can help mitigate allergy symptoms. And surprise, surprise, gut health also has a lot to do with allergies about 70% of our immune system surrounds our gut. Integrative medicine expert Frank Lipman, MD, told us, so the health of our microbiome directly affects the functioning of our immune system. Though it might sound counterintuitive to consume one type of pollen when you're trying to avoid another, Tiffany Lester, MD, said eating local bee pollen can actually reduce seasonal allergies. The antioxidant superfood works as an antihistamine, decreasing symptoms like puffy eyes and runny nose. So what's the bottom line? The number of people affected by allergies is increasing, and allergy season seems to be getting longer. While the research is ongoing, many studies have associated climate change with the increase in pollen levels, and they don't expect it to slow down anytime soon. There are several ways we can reduce our environmental impact, which can slow, and eventually re- reverse the effects of climate change. Rothman reminds us, though, those changes won't happen overnight. In the meantime, consider the tips above as this information to help ease your spring. The reason why I was so keen to read that article was because I cannot seem to get over my own allergic rhinitis, and I've been doing all kinds of homeopathic holistic methods to get rid of it. And while I was reading that article, I realized that's because I live in one of those cities. I couldn't believe it. I am in one of the top 10 worst cities for allergy sufferers. And I just moved here. So maybe that's why. Okay. On February 28th of 2020, also from mindbodygreen.com, we have another article about aloe vera for tooth and gum health. This is aloe vera for healthier gums and wider teeth by Sean Radcliffe. For those looking for a wider smile and healthier gums, it may seem tempting to opt for more traditional oral care products. And while it's fine if you do, you should also know there are great natural alter- alternatives as well. You've likely heard of coconut oil's benefits or even trendy charcoal, but natural alternatives that we're talking about today are aloe vera. Aloe vera is often touted for its soothing skin and hair care benefits, but this plant is not just for the outside of your body. Its powerful antibacterial and anti-inflammatory abilities make it well-suited to boosting your oral health too. Number one, it reduces gum inflammation. One of the main oral benefits of aloe vera is on gum health. Using aloe vera as a home remedy can reduce gum recession by restoring the texture of gum tissue, says Zachary Linhart, DDS. This is backed up by several studies that show that aloe vera can reduce inflammation of the gums, one of the signs of gingivitis, a mild form of gum disease, in some cases, aloe vera worked as well as chlorhexidine, a prescription mouthwash that kills bacteria in the mouth. These studies even showed that aloe vera can redu- effectively reduce plaque on the teeth, again, sometimes as well as chlorhexidine. Aloe vera also had some fa- a few side effects compared to this prescription mouthwash, which can cause a change in taste or staining of the teeth. However... Sometimes professional help is needed to maintain optimum gum health. While aloe vera is a great at-home remedy, says Linhart, anyone experiencing swollen gums should see a dentist for an exam. And it says aloe vera had few side effects. Not it had a few, it had few. So just a correction in the way that was written. Uh, Number two, it stops cavity-causing germs. In addition to aloe vera's ability to reduce inflammation, it also kills certain bacteria, including those that live in the mouth. Aloe vera may help you in treating cavities because it inhibits the growth of bacteria called streptococcus mutans, which are mostly responsible for tooth decay, says Henry Hackney DDS. One 2009 study found that aloe vera toothpaste was as effective as two commercially popular toothpastes at controlling several oral bacteria, including S mutans. However, no research so far has looked directly at whether aloe vera can reduce dental cavities. Still, that doesn't mean aloe vera doesn't have something to offer your mouth. Antibacterial properties of this plant, as well as multiplicity of antioxidants in it, can help prevent us from developing gum disease, bad breath, or various inflammations, says Hackney. Number three, whitens teeth, possibly. Some websites promote the use of aloe vera for teeth whitening, but there is limited evidence to back this up. Although aloe vera is proven to inhibit the growth of bacteria, says Linhart, I've yet to see research regarding its impact on whitening teeth or reducing the chances of cavities. Still, plaque has a yellowish color that over time can make your sparkly white teeth look dull and dingy. Likewise, tartar, which forms from plaque, along and under the gum line, appears yellow or brown. By removing plaque and reducing tartar formation, aloe vera may be able to keep your teeth whiter longer. So in choosing an aloe vera product, to get the full benefits of aloe vera for your mouth, make sure you choose a high-quality product. Hatney recommends reading the product label carefully before buying, High quality aloe vera products shouldn't contain mainly water and alcohol, he says. Also, the fewer the ingredients, the better. And just because the gel of the aloe vera plant is clear, don't think the product needs to be green. The International Aloe Science Council has a certification program for products shown to contain aloe vera of the highest quality and purity. The American Dental Association also has a list of dental products. That have received its seal of approval, including some that contain aloe. All right. In our section on how to live more holistically, also from Mind Body Green, we have a bath ritual for fire signs to help relax and prevent burnout, written by editorial assistant Sarah Regan on February 28th of this year. This says, fire signs are the Zodiac's brazen, action-oriented doers. They're passionate, active, and creative, and when they're channeling all that powerful energy, they're a force to be reckoned with. But another thing fire signs have in common is a capacity for burnout. With all the go, 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 it can be hard for fire signs to relax and further ta- tap into their intuition, which is why we asked Gabriella Hurstic, author of inner witch and bewitching the elements, what she recommends for all the burnout Aries, Leos, and Sagittarius's out there. And according to her, if any sign is out of balance, working with the other elements to restore harmony is a great place to start. So for fire signs, she recommends a bathing ritual. And I included this article because a bathing ritual isn't just for fire signs, as we all know, it can do anyone. A lot of good. So it says how to do a ritual bath. Bath magic and bath rituals can be really beneficial, Hurstic says, because working with water is both powerful and balancing. Grab any items you'd like to include in your ritual. And as your tub is filling up, take the opportunity to get clear on what you need from this bath. Setting your intention, whether that's to heal, let go or relax, will make the ritual that much more impactful. For fire signs, adding some Epsom salts to the running water will help you not only relax your body and muscles, but also to help absorb any unnecessary energy that's clinging to you or doesn't belong to you and really help you get centered. She also recommends incorporating herbs that are associated with the moon. The moon symbolizes both water and feminine energy, which can benefit action-oriented fire signs. Mugwort, for example, can help fire signs unwind and tap into their intuition. And I like to believe that mugwort does that for all signs, not just fire signs. Herbs like eucalyptus and lavender also allow fire signs to relax and be present, which I know can be challenging, her stick adds. To include a little extra harmony, lighting some candles to bring in the element of fire alongside the water, she says, And for fire signs who aren't feeling connected to themselves or their body, trying something like ESP or tapping offers a grounding earth element for fire to find a little chill. Aries, Leos, and Sagittarius are some of the most hardworking people in the Zodiac, but all that hard work can come at a cost, hampering their strong, fiery energy. The next time that happens, or the next time you think burnout could be coming on, Carve out a little time to get the water running and immerse yourself in a healing bath. And I think that's true for everyone because, as we know, all signs can work hard. All right, from ancient.eu, we have our goddess for the day, and that is Kali by Mark Cartwright. And this was actually published way back in 2013. Still good information, though. Kali is the Hindu goddess of death, time, and doomsday, and is often associated with sexuality and violence, but is also considered a strong mother figure and symbolic of motherly love. Kali also embodies Shakti, feminine energy, creativity, and fertility, and is an incarnation of Parvati, wife of the great Hindu god Shiva. She is most often represented in art as a fearful, fighting figure with a necklace of heads, skirt of arms, lolling tongue, and brandishing a knife dripping with blood. Kali's name derives from the Sanskrit meaning she who is black or she who is death. but She is also known as Charturbuja, Kali Chinnamastra or Kashika. As an embodiment of time, Kali devours all things. She is irresistibly attractive to mortals and gods and can also represent the benevolence of a mother goddess. Kali's name derives from the Sanskrit meaning she who is black or she who is death. The goddess is particularly worshipped in eastern and southern India and specifically in Assam, Kerala, Kashmir, Bengal, where she is now worshipped in the yearly festival of Kali Puja, held on the night of a new moon, and in the Kalignat temple in the city of Calcutta. Kali's birth. There are several traditions of how Kali came into existence. One version relates when the warrior goddess Durga, Durga, who had ten arms, each carrying a weapon, and who rode a lion or tiger in battle, Fought with Mahishasura or Mahisa, the buffalo demon. Durga became so enraged that her anger burst from her forehead in the form of Kali. Once born, the black goddess went wild and ate all the demons she came across, stringing their heads on a chain which she wore around her neck. It seemed impossible to calm Kali's bloody attacks, which now extended to any wrongdoers and both people and gods were at a loss as to what to do. Fortunately, the mighty Shiva stopped Kali's destructive rampage by lying down in her path and when the goddess realized just who she was standing on, she finally calmed down. From this story is explained Kali's association with battlegrounds and areas where cremation is carried out. In another version of the goddess's birth, Kali appeared when Parvati shed her dark skin, which then became Kali. Hence, one one of her names is Kashika, which is also meaning the sheath, whilst Parvati is left as Guru, the fair one. This story emphasizes Kali's blackness, which is symbolic of eternal darkness and which has the potential to both destroy and create. In a third version, men and gods were being terrorized by Daruka, who could only be killed by a woman, and Parvati was asked by the gods to deal with the troublesome demon. She responded by jumping down Shiva's throat. This was because many years previously, Shiva had swallowed Halahala, the poison which had risen from the churning of the ocean during the creation and which had threatened to pollute the world. By combining with the poison still held in Shiva's throat, Parvati was transformed into Kali. Leaping from Shiva's throat in her new guise, Kali swiftly dispatched Daruka, and all was well with the world once more. Alright, in our going green portion of the podcast, we have seven single-use swaps and the trash you can save in one year. So... If you were to swap one bamboo toothbrush, that would equal four plastic toothbrushes. If you were to swap one glass floss container, that equals seven plastic floss containers. One reusable water bottle can be the equivalent of 167 plastic water bottles. One reusable grocery bag will replace 170 plastic bags. One reusable coffee cup could replace 500 disposable plastic coffee cups. One metal straw can replace 540 plastic straws. And one cloth towel would replace 7,300 paper towels. And remember, The people who make the biggest difference are the ones who do the little things consistently. Our magical affirmation of the day is, I was born for magic. All right, from prettyeasylife.com, we have our yoga section. And this is Nine Ways to Make Yoga a Daily Habit by Raquel. And this was written November 11th of last year. Number one, do it first thing in the morning. Morning morning yoga habit. For most of us, the time of day when the body will benefit the most is after a good night's sleep, stretching and taking some deep breaths will make you feel like a million bucks. You already know that. Half an hour will be ideal if you have the time, but 15 minutes will do wonders as well. Set your alarm for 30 minutes earlier. Go to bed the night before in your comfy PJs so you will be ready to start. Bring some water to your bedside table. Have your yoga mat by by your side on the floor ready to go, which makes your yoga always accessible. Start with a brief meditation to get your mind and body ready. And enjoy this quiet time and the privilege of devoting the first minutes of your day to yourself. Number two, take an online class. If you don't have a particular yoga routine set up yet, it is a good idea to have an online class ready to go. Some days it feels so good to be guided and it is refreshing to try different routines, lengths, and yoga variations from the comfort of your home. From beginner's yoga, Yin yoga, meditation, power yoga, yoga asanas, everything is available online now. This is particularly true if you're doing morning yoga as soon as you wake up. Also, you can have bolsters, blocks, straps, your yoga mat, essential oils, diffusers, and a soft yoga blanket, or add some prints of your favorite yoga quotes for inspiration. If it is available to you, set up a TV where you can follow your online classes. A Google Assistant can work as a speaker for your meditations and podcasts. Don't forget to leave your cell phone in another room. A small table where you can have a small and portable tea kettle for an after practice tea is a nice touch to end your home yoga practice and some good energy to your yoga room with add some good energy energy to your yoga room with simple feng shui ideas. Number four, try to fit your yoga routine in at the same time every day. Probably this is one of the most important tips to make yoga a habit. After a few weeks of doing at the same time. Every day, your body will be adapted to the routine and will crave it, making it very easy to stick to your very own healthy yoga habit for good. At this point, you will also be hooked to all the mindful habits from yoga itself and will be listening to your body needs. With so many health benefits, a well-established yoga routine will not only help your body to thrive during the day, but will help your mind to stay focused and your body always in shape. You've come a long way having learned on how to start yoga and now it's just a matter of how to start a yoga habit. Number 5. Leave your yoga visual leave yoga visual clues for yourself. This is a very good idea for people like me who work from home. That I'll do it later procrastination habit can be a very hard thing to be. You fool yourself thinking that for sure you'll do it later since you are not leaving the house today. And you know how the story ends. Leaving your mat open or your blocks close to your desk will make it impossible to avoid the unavoidable. Keeping a print of some yoga quotes around is also useful. For me, my yoga bag is a powerful visual clue. I keep it at the front door, sort of telling me that everything is ready for me to go hit the yoga studio. My advice, though is that if you want to keep your yoga bag by the front door, get a cute one. Number six, set your yoga goals using a journal to track your progress. This is such a simple thing to do and yet a big step towards forming a habit of practicing yoga every day. Along with notes and goals, keeping a visual written record of your practice adds commitment and motivation. It will be a pleasure to finish your practice with some notes and your thoughts, your daily yoga carefully registered. Number seven, yin yoga for the days when you're too tired. Yin yoga is the great option for sick or lazy weekends where your body just needs a little boost without the workout. Or you can just stick to the very basic and easy yoga poses that will get your body's blood circulating, joints and tissues activated, and your mind clear. Number eight, meditation and the child's pose combo. For those days that you're running out of time, but you need your body to be alert for a busy day, go for a 10 to 20 minute meditation and make it in the child's pose. This magic pose stretches your hips, groin, quads, and low back. Add a few deep breaths and you're good to go. This is an incredible posture to be added to your yoga practice at home, especially when you're a yoga beginner. Number nine, know your excuses and try to get smarter than them. It's too cold today. I ate too much. My back is sore. I have a deadline today. People are coming. It actually helps to write down your most common excuses. Keep it close just in case. Of course, you can always find a new one, but you can do better than that and not get trapped into the mind of excuses creativity. It is a type of creativity you don't really need. Reflect on your achievements and on the reward. When you try to take on a new habit, it's actually double the work as you will be untraining yourself from the previously programmed state. You will be (laughs) rewiring your brain, and this takes time. Some people swear it takes 21 days for the brain to get convinced of the new routine. Lastly, just do it. Regardless of the time that it will take, think of your yoga journey and what it means to be healthy and capable of practicing. You know what your yoga practice does for you. You know that it is not always easy. It has highs and lows, many joys, and also many doubts. Because at the end of the day, you're the one putting yourself out there on your mat with your breath and soul, going to whatever your mind and body can take you. Namaste. This episode of the Goddess Morning Show is brought to you by From Ashes We Rise Com, where you can get wellness coaching using holistic methods of healing, purchase our handcrafted custom blended organic non-GMO herbal teas that are crafted with love, and also order hand poured soy candles infused with love and pure essential oils and herbs to heal using aromatherapy. Visit our website at Rise 2com that's from Ashes we Rise, with the number 2.com to read more about these products and services. Have a blessed day.